I'm a good old rebel, now that's just what I am. And for this Yankee nation, I do not give a damn. I'm glad I fought again, I only wish we'd won. I ain't asked any pardon for anything I've done. I hate the Yankee nation and everything they do. I hate the Declaration of Independence too. I hate the glorious Union, tis dripping with our blood. I hate the striped banner, I fit it all I could. I rode with Robert E. Lee for three years thereabout. Got wounded in four places and I starved at Point Lookout. I caught the rheumatism. Oh, and good evening. My name is Josh, and I am joined as always by Aaron and Bob. This week, my special guest, Michael. We're the folks who are going to help you bring the method to the madness, reason into the unreasonable, and make sense out of nonsense, because this is Okay, Hear Me Out. Aaron and Bob, how are y'all doing this evening? Fantastic. How are you, Aaron? All right, Josh, you're heading on your flight. All right, sorry. All right, we don't have Josh this week, other than the intro. That was definitely him, as you can tell. And uh, we're... I, I feel like he might poke his head in one or two more times, <laughs> but we'll find out. And uh, and then this week we have uh, our our uh, longtime caller Michael uh, from uh, South Carolina to share with us uh, why the blacks deserved it in the Civil War. Evening, fellas. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I assume with the accent, that's what he wanted to bring in. I, uh, the only thing I'm hanging around here is facts. <laughs> Speaking of Beautiful. facts, Bob, where, where could somebody call in to spit some facts at us? They can call us at 1-833-666-911. Again, that's 1-833-666-0911. Okay, besides them deserving it, what's, what is the topic that you are... Uh, sharing with us tonight so we're going to talk a little bit about the real cause to the civil war because if you're anything like me uh you were taught some uh misinformation in high school so we're gonna what were on. what were you taught bob um regarding the civil war yeah like why why did the civil war start like american history sixth grade uh because the the south wouldn't give up their slaves that's what I was taught. One thousand percent what I was taught as well. <laughs> Here in South Carolina, same thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, that was a lie. Um, we're gonna talk about it here. What? Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 no. no. Wait, wait, hold on. Are you sure that the world is more complex than the entirety of the South was evil and racist and wanted slaves, and the entire North was just good people that wanted to do nothing but to free slaves? You're telling me that people have more <laughs> complex motivations than a black and white kid kitty version of history that they try to propagandize you with? Come on. Well, this topic is a lot like most of your others with the same theme of your government loves you deeply and only tells you the truth. So <laughs> Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, good. <laughs> that I believe. Yeah. So we were the good guys up here from New York. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, I think that if you're okay with it, we're going to start kind of slightly before the war to talk about something that I never heard of um, until I got into some research. Have either one of you ever heard of the Corwin Amendment? 
No. Uh, no. Okay, so South Carolina seceded in December of 1860, right? So at that point, it was just one state, and you know, several others followed within that first six months. Um, but right away, these politicians started coming up with compromises. How do we keep the South from leaving, right? So the Corwin Amendment was introduced, which would have been the original 13th Amendment. So it was passed by the Senate and the House um, and then signed into law, basically, uh, March 2nd of 1861 by Buchanan, uh, which was like two days before Lincoln took office. So here is what the Corwin Amendment says. It says, no amendment shall be made to the Constitution, which will authorize or give to Congress the power to abolish or interfere within any state with with the domestic institutions thereof, including that of persons held to labor or service by laws of said state. So their attempt to keep the South in was saying, we'll forever enshrine slavery into the Constitution. What do you guys well, think about that? Slavery. Well, it, it enshrined like workers' rights to the states, basically. Yeah, no, right? no that, federal law like. can interfere with state law, basically. Regarding workers' contracts. Actually, regarding what did he say? What how was it worded? It was any domestic with the domestic institutions thereof, including that of persons held to labor or service by the laws of said state. Yeah, it'd be like anything that would fall under a domestic institution, whatever that would, you know, be. I know it included slavery. It made it so the state's the only one that could abolish slavery in your state. Correct, but Congress couldn't Hmm. outlaw the act of slavery if the state said they wanted to do that. Yeah, the federal government would basically have zero power on how states operated, which would be awesome even though, (laughs) you know... Slavery is probably not good, but no, no, we, we can't condone, <laughs> condone those things. Um, but Lincoln in his inaugural address, you know, approved of this, um, saying that these domestic institutions, which was a slang term regarding slavery, because slavery was also called a, a peculiar institution. Um, so, he says that the provisions uh, now be applied to constitutional law. I have no objection to it being made express and irrevocable. So <laughs> he was perfectly fine with this in 1861. And actually, he's the one that sent it to the states for ratification. And it was ratified by five states. So it kind of fell apart after that. Uh, okay. How did it fall apart if Senate and Congress passed it? Because not the states kept not enough states ratified it. The states the states kept leaving. This wasn't enough of an enticement to keep them. Oh, so if it if it wasn't just slavery that that was <laughs> up on the docket, then what other incentives did they have? They were going to gonna protect stay? slavery, and that wasn't enough. So what else did the states want that they were pissed <laughs> off about? That's yeah. okay. That's a good lead in. All right, that that got me hooked. <laughs> so. 
slavery was, of course, important to the South. You know, this they were agrarian, they had farms, um, and slave labor was a huge part of that. Um, but I think it's most important in a use of propaganda, both for the North and the South, because, you know, most of the Confederate documents talk about the institution of slavery being a big portion. Well, who owned the slaves in the South? Like the 2% of the wealthiest people? Like Yeah, people with money. So who funds wars? Well, people with views. <laughs> <laughs> That's another episode, Aaron. <laughs> Actually, I can tie it in real quick. At the height of American slavery, um, 0.3% of white Americans owned slaves. Um, 40% of the Jewish population were slave owners. At the height of the American slavery, 78% of slave owners were ethnically Jewish. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> dude, we get we get blamed by our fellow whites for a lot of things that are not <laughs> us. Um sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, no. Um so Lincoln, of course, kind of changed opinions or political tactics as the years went on. Um, but, of course, he is the great emancipator, right? Well, wait, ho- hold on, because I think uh, I think Josh has something to say here. Uh, wait, Mike, wait. <coughs> this may come as a shock to you, but did you know that Abraham Lincoln owned slaves all right thank you josh <laughs> moving on <laughs> i hate you <laughs> he's just, even when he's, he's not here he's somehow down. ruining my life i think lincoln's dog face wife owned a couple or something I don't know. <laughs> but okay so wait i'm still what okay yeah yeah they try to act like lincoln freed all the slaves and he's the, the hero yeah, but so you know, the, the, the narrative is that everything was about slaves. Well, Congress was ready to hand slavery to the states on a silver platter and say, forever, you can do what you want to do. And the states were still like, nah, bro, I'm out. So, yeah. Okay. So what's the, what's the real juicy thing they wanted? If that was just like a tertiary thing. So we kind of have to, dig a little bit deeper um you know even so secondary the emancipation proclamation most people know that is it freed all the slaves you know people that haven't actually looked into this right what 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 did y'all learn about that yeah that's where they declared that no one can own slaves although the north and the south were split at the time so like the how they teach you in schools the south seceded but then the Emancipation Proclamation happened, then the big war. Yeah. That's how they kind of said it, because the South said, fuck you, we're, we're leaving the Union. How about you, Bob? That's the way I remember it as well. Uh, yeah. So just real quick, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation, it had a preliminary that was issued the September before the January it took effect. And that said that hey, if y'all come back to the Union, you can keep your slaves, you can do 
whatever, we'll, we'll be a big, happy family again. But if not, in January, I'm going to take them. So the South is a foreign country at this point. It, it, they were like, um, nah, like you, ha- you have no authority here. They gave him an ultimatum of if you come back by January, you can keep your slaves. But if not, yeah, then you, got then you days. don't get them anymore. You got 100 days. If not, then uh, we're going to take your slaves, which it only freed the slaves in the South in, rebel- in rebellious areas. So like parts of Louisiana, parts of uh, Tennessee, all like they could keep them. Was that a thing in it where it said only rebellious areas? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It- it specifically says that all persons held as slaves within rebellious states are henceforth shall be free. So the government banned slaves in all the parts of the country that weren't part of the country anymore? Correct, sir. So nowheres. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. That'd be like us banning all the slaves in, like, Libya. <laughs> <laughs> Like if if Joe Biden got on today and was like, "I'm freeing all the slaves in Libya," like, what? I, okay. So it it was, you know, Lincoln say that it was a a military, uh, like a war measure, which is true because the other part of that is that all the slaves that they could round up and steal as these Union forces were going around, they made them slaves in the Union army. Because they all went into labor in the Union Army because uh, the Emancipation Proclamation uh, made it where blacks could serve in the military. Yes. So And so they just went straight into military service from like field work to military service and it kind of was, wasn't really up to them? To some degree it was, but they had to follow those soldiers around. So they used them to build bridges, build okay. pontoons, um, do the dirty work. So they had them doing grunt work for the military. <laughs> they went from sl- being slaves in a cotton field to being slaves in a f- at an active war field. <laughs> so it, Sweet. There was a lot of talk uh, early on that like Frederick Douglass and a lot of these guys are like, why don't you put black people into service and, and, you know, use them. And it was a good war measure. And, you know, that's what this did. But, you know, it wasn't until much later on after a lot of stuff that already happened that this became an issue. And a lot of the uh, there's actually a conspiracy theory that a lot of the northerners were writing that uh, the conspiracy of the war was to kill off all of the young white workers of the north to be replaced by the freed blacks of the south for cheap labor. Wait, that was a conspiracy theory going around at the time. <laughs> yeah, like in all the na- all the newspapers no. and stuff. Yeah. Oh shit! So Based. I wonder. I wonder why <laughs> they probably were. Probably some grabbler try- <laughs> actually trying to do that and just didn't succeed. They have lots of crazy evil plans like this that they literally oh, they can't help themselves. They write out in a manifesto somewhere and then publish it, and then you just show somebody what the guy wrote, and they're like, "Nah, he ain't gonna do that." <laughs> Henry Ford wouldn't wouldn't conspire to <laughs> kill us all and replace us with the Irish <laughs> and make a shit ton of money. Yeah, in the process. Yeah, that that okay. So so wow. I talked about Lincoln a little bit to talk about 
if you've listened to anything, everything says, you know, my primary objective is to save the union. Wanted to save the union. Why is that so important? So have you guys ever heard of Bleeding Kansas? No. No. So Bleeding Kansas was, you know, at the time the the United States was kind of pushing west with land acquisitions and such. So they were creating territories and therefore states further west. So Bleeding Kansas is basically Kansas, Nebraska. They put in laws to where popular sovereignty, which is where you can vote whether you want slaves or not, that's cool. Well, one thing they wouldn't uh, let go of is they did not want slavery in these Western territories. The reason is, is that you have delegates in those states. You have senators, you have reps, you have all these things. So if slavery had been legal, you have all these Southerners moving West with their slaves to create big farms and wealth. And it would have been a no-go for a lot of the Northern political pressure. It's political pressure. So not only do you create wealth in the area, you create. Then these powerful slave owners own the state basically. Exactly. So they're going to vote the, the direction they want to vote. So can I ask a quest, quick question just because yeah. I feel like we missed one part of this, the part that really hooked me in. If the North was offering the South to keep their slaves and they said no, what were, what was something the South was asking for? And if you're getting to that, ignore me and keep going. It is but, right now. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so what did, what industry did the South have? Y'all know? Cotton. Cotton. Textiles. Cotton, tobacco. Tobacco, rice. So. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of rice plantations in Charleston and Beaufort and Savannah. A lot of places like that. I didn't Still, know that. Yeah. So. Hmm. We really have to go back to like 1830 real quick. Because there was something called the nullification crisis. Which was over some tariffs that uh, Andrew Jackson put into place. And the South, well, South Carolina was like, no, nah, we'll just secede. We're, we're going to leave and y'all can deal with that. And so they showed there that they were willing to leave over money because the South grows 60% of the cotton at that time. How did they collect taxes? We did it on sales, right? It's all on exports. So the Mm. cotton was 60% of the exports in 1860. So 60% of like 95% of all tax money come from cotton. So So basically half of our nation's tax revenue said we're going to leave. Way more than half said we're out because what happened So tariffs kind of went down after 1830s. Well, in uh, 1859, a a newly elected Republican Senate and House or Republican leaning introduced the moral tariff, which was. Oh, love the sound of that. So, yeah, that sounds like a fucking nightmare right there. Yeah. So the moral tariff, it, it varied depending on 
like what year you're talking about, but 37 to 47% on exports or imports, basically. So you would kill any kind of trade. So you just create pirates. Like it would be all smuggling ships. <laughs> like, it, yeah. So you're just creating a black market and also killing like most of the federal budget at the same time. Exactly. So Abraham Lincoln need, needed to save the union because even if it was just one state in South Carolina, you now have a free trade zone. So all of the northerner merchants, everybody from the surrounding area is going to trade out of the Charleston Harbor because you don't gotcha. And then, and then if the United States wants any of their goods and services, they have to deal with Charleston with no tax. Correct. Which is the reason if you know where the civil war started is Fort Sumter in Charleston, South Carolina, it blocks the Harbor. So as long as they held that fortress, they could blockade any, trade into Charleston Harbor (laughs) because that's pretty funny. So I had pulled up one thing. Um, So Lincoln's first address to Congress, which was just after the start of the civil war, he was talking about like his, his plan and his reasoning behind it. He said it only sought to hold the public places and property not already wrestled from the government and to collect revenue. So his objectives were to hold the government facilities and collect revenue. <laughs> I mean, this all makes sense. It's just so. <laughs> Wait, whose step- job was this again? I'm sorry. Whose job? Whose was job was this again? To collect the revenue. Well, that's just the South, the you're saying? Federal no, government. the federal government or, in general. So okay. Lincoln's saying the federal okay. government's job in you know, starting this war was to keep the government facilities and collect the revenue. Because if, if the South left, even South Carolina alone, you took a lot of revenue and you made a free trade zone. So... Mm-hmm. With that being said, they would lose almost all of their revenue because everybody would just travel to that state and sell their goods. It's a tale as old as time. Plantation <laughs> Jews versus banker Jews. <laughs> <laughs> and, and an epic showdown for who can control all of it. With the non-taxable territory in between. <laughs> Oh, no, the banker Jews did not want that to be a thing. (laughs) Amazing. It's all coming together. Well, like the Rothschilds had already owned the federal government by that point. I mean, Andrew Jackson had a brief victory over them and that's it. And then it was right back to just them owning the federal government. Just like the Mm -hmm. whole, we talked about this before. Like, you know, we're not talking, if you're saying in the third, in 1830, South Carolina said they were going to secede um, or like threatened it. Then less than 20 years before that was the war of 1812 where Mm -hmm. the Rothschilds told America, if you don't sign our bank charter that we told you to sign, 
we're going to have England fight a war with you that you can't afford and you're going to go into debt. And then that's exactly what happened. And then they signed the charter and the war just ended and nothing, nothing else happened after just almost like a year of just the British just launching cannonballs at random towns. And, and like, that's like, that's what happened there. So it's like, what did th- that power structure just go away? Sounds like, cool. no, they had this know. vested interest in owning the federal government. And then you have these plantation owners like, wait, we're paying 60% of the tax here. Why? How about we just become our own country and we keep that money. And now we're more powerful than the United States government. And it, and that would not be, allowed to happen by the powers that be that already own the federal government. Yeah. And a lot of them. So go ahead. No, uh, well, I was going to say like, so what happened with the taxes? Did the federal government just like not back down on how much they were taxing the, the textile and trade markets. They just like absolutely refused to lower that to a, a reasonable, like say like 5% flat tax rate or something. No, they're, that's just, they're, they're not going to lower it from 40%, which that is so tariffs work on imports, right? So we're exporting, you know, cotton and tobacco and all that to Europe, and you're taxing what's coming back. Well, if you're in a trade zone, you're sending them cotton that's worth X amount of dollars, and they're sending you goods back that are worth X amount of dollars. Well, that tax is going to be collected when you get your goods back. So it it would make it impossible, and it would be money out of pocket that, you know. They didn't want to give the government and a lot of them felt disenfranchised because the North had, you know, it was, it was, you know, industrial revolution. So you had factories, you had railroads, you had telegraph lines, you had all that 70% of it, of all of those like infrastructures were in the North that left 30% for the South. So the South is covering well over half of the bill federal build budget the north's infrastructure build everything in the north so you know the transcontinental railroad all that stuff was in the north and that was in the works at the time um but they actually offered uh jefferson davis who was like the president of the confederacy um seward who was i guess lincoln's like secretary of state they offered him jefferson davis a transcontinental railroad if they would just quit it's like, dude, we, we talked Holy about this God. a long time ago. Like you should have been <laughs> like, we should have had the infrastructure <laughs> here to begin with. But right. a quick little note on that. Um, Lincoln was a railroad lawyer and lobbyist. So what? yeah, look it up. It, it's there. Um, <laughs> so he took on big cases for these railroads to basically steal people's land. And he came up with, with what's called a, a checkerboard pattern. So Basically, these these railroads would have to buy up big swaths of land as they moved west, and he created this mm-hmm. checkerboard pattern so they could buy a corner here and a corner there, and basically screw everybody out of their money because they wouldn't have to buy full plots, and they would drop the land prices they went through. But yeah, um, I so there's a guy, he's a professor at uh, Florida Atlantic, um, Dr. Marshall DeRosa, and he's got a lot of really good stuff on um, some of this controversial topic stuff. So he said that uh, this is kind of a paraphrased quote, but Francis Pierpont, who was 
the provisional governor of Virginia and like the first governor of West Virginia when it was created, um, he went in and talked to Lincoln about why they took soldiers out of uh, Petersburg and moved them into the Mississippi Valley because there's a lot of action going on there. He's like, the war could have been over in a matter of weeks. And the answer that he received back, so Lincoln told Pierpont that the war must go on for another three years because the funders of the Republican Party must make their profit. Who were the funders of the party at the time? <laughs> um, probably something to do with the railroads, who were some of the wealthiest individuals in the nation at the time. Now, how did how did the war going on uh, increase the wealth of the railroads? So, it's kind of like what happens today in the fact of if you run down an area, land prices drop. And when land prices drop, wealthy people go in and buy it up. Uh, so, if you have a war-torn so South who is ripped apart and has no industry after the war because all of their labor is gone, your land gets cheaper. And it still hasn't recovered. Easy. Comparatively, <laughs> compared to the North. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of destitute areas still down here, and I'm sure it's the same everywhere, but I mean, there's large mm -hmm. parts of the country down here that used to be plantations that are now like boarded up nasty houses. I'm so pumped. I, I like, I I'm so happy that the South has such like a bad reputation to all the city idiots because we're totally buying land down <laughs> in the South. It's cheap, yeah. man. Come on. It's so much cheaper. It's like two, 2000 an acre or less, depending on where you go. Where are you looking? Arkansas? Beautiful. Like, uh, in that Tennessee, Missouri, like Georgia area, I believe Kentucky, like that, like circle, like take like a, Put a pin in Nashville and just circle like a big like two hundred mile like uh, diameter circle around it, and probably like that area. Yeah, if you buy big pieces down here now, like North Carolina, South Carolina, upstate, two thousand twenty five hundred an acre. If you buy a hundred or more, ooh, yeah, it's insane. I can't wait. But anyway, sorry. You I have digress. to look at the industry. So you know it. This was political talk. This was, you know, a narrative that needed to be pushed. So after the war, yeah, for the the story has to be this thing. It has to. Be it can't consistent. be money. Wait, you can't if you if you tell the public, oh, we're fighting this war because, uh, well, one side wants to keep all their tax money and we want all their tax money, and that's it. You can't rally <laughs> the the fucking homesteaders. Well, can you imagine? over that cause? So when when the provisional Emancipation Proclamation came out, they already like every newspaper was writing that now we're going to have mass desertion because they didn't want to fight, uh, you know, to end slavery. So it wasn't a, a popular narrative at the time. But what's you know, the, <laughs> even in the north? Holy shit. Yeah. The, the victors write the history books. Well, we've been sold that it was about that all along. And we look at these famous speeches and we go. Oh, well, you know, you know, he changed his mind as time went on and he, he developed as a person and his, his empathy levels and all of these other things. But they're all political jargon to spin a narrative for what the cause was. One of the things that I find interesting um, 
that when I was, you know, different times I read about the Civil War and different things about it is how many mercenaries the North used. And uh, like they they use like a shit ton of Irish and Scottish and English and German mercenaries and offered them citizenship for military service during the Civil War. So they could just flood the South with soldiers. Yeah. And uh, holy shit. They those kind of situations. It's like I I wonder that's where I want to know who really was funding them because it's like. Who was getting the word out that quickly at that time period to Irish and Scottish and German to amass these mercenaries for like combat? It, you know, there's so much more to it. Like these powerful people that are involved. Like that's why I talk. You know, when you think about people like the Rothschilds, like they had a vested interest in the federal government being as powerful as possible in America because that's how they made their money over here. Well, also, was it the Vanderbilts were like a big railroad family in that time frame as well, weren't they? I don't know. Carnegie's, right? Yeah, the Vanderbilts were definitely, you know, big, big money. Connected to the railroad, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, if you were saying like the railroad was connected to the Republican Party as the donor system there, the Vanderbilt was a big one of those, I think, at that time frame. Carnegie, not the same time period industry, I don't think. No, Carnegie was railroad and oil and all sorts of shit, I think. Okay. Okay. I think. Maybe, maybe I'm huh. retarded. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics. So that'll be interesting. A deep dive into the, the donor class of the Republican Party in the North there of were, the Civil War. There were points in, in like the 1800s where it's like five people owned 90% of the wealth or something like that in America. Like there there were points in that, in the 19th century that were like crazy misappropriation of wealth where like literally like five families owned everything yeah that what that was like jp morgan uh vanderbilt carnegie there's like rockefeller like yeah there's a yeah. bunch of them that just owned uh they're the guy that's the bad guy in deadwood william hearst <laughs> i think um yeah 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 I remember fucking the History Channel made a, like a special series more recently within like the past like like six or seven years about the men who built America. And it was about the Vanderbilts, the Carnegie's. Oh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. All, all these in the J.P. Morgan's. And it's like the men, hmm. men who stole America from just regular <laughs> people and blamed it all on the whites and then made up history about why everybody was fighting. Oh, yeah. Everybody was really mad about slaves. It sounds like the kind of guys that would. Uh... Really love some cheap labor from the south. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah. I've never believed that. Like that narrative is retarded. You have to you have to be an idiot to think like, oh yeah, it was good guys versus bad guys, and it was all about slaves, and the North really wanted to free them. Well, like, I mean, they that's... they literally tell you that you know the nation was just overcome with emotion and empathy, and that's why we have the 13th Amendment. But (laughs) Abraham Lincoln sent out Thomas Stewart and others to bribe senators and congressmen with campaign donations and positions in the cabinet to vote for it. If it was something that was such a popular (laughs) item at the time, you would think you could skip that part. 
<laughs> no way. Back in the 19th century where you can't really, it's way harder to track shit like that. There's, there had to be so much paying off that it was insane. Like no McDonald's bags handed out of that one, I guess. It's never, it's never been not just the most corrupt thing. Ruling, like ruling countries, having your vote matter and shit like that to uphold, like it's just the most horrifyingly corrupt shit. Well, I remember even um, when we uh, episode one hundred nine, when we covered the one hundred nine and still doing fine topic, mm-hmm. um, when when Grant was holding like the front in like North Carolina or something like that, he was like tasked with dealing with the illegal like smuggling of cotton into the north and it was all just like like that that was his job for like a year and a half or something and yeah, cotton and, and the corruption in the involved in it like there was a, a merchant that came with his dad he sweet talked grant's father they came down on the war front had dinner with them and was like oh we like to smuggle some cotton across the border and we'll give you half of the half of the profit you and your father. And it's like, holy fuck. Like the whole thing was like, they, they really didn't give a shit. They just needed, you know, things to keep moving, the money to keep flowing basically. And they didn't have a federal reserve to print money at the time. So no wonder they started a war. Yeah. And the people benefiting from cotton smuggling was like those 2% of people that were slave owners. Like, yeah, no one else is benefiting from this. Like, and that's why they have to create these stories. Like even the newspapers back then are just owned by these same people. Guarantee it's just as fake news as it is today. So how how did the narrative get changed then? If it went from like the North being a very po- like unpopular opinion regarding the Emancipation Proclamation and all these things, how how in the fuck did it turn into what we're hearing today? Just I don't understand. Oh that. no, we already did an episode of that, Bob. Just the the. <laughs> We change the history books to be, dude, every, it's like that Norm MacDonald joke that's perfect. It's like, I was reading the history books and it turns out (laughs) the good guys won every war. What are the odds? Like, (laughs) they just change it to make it look like whoever won is the good guy every time. Well, the North, you know, they, they did not like the idea at all. And so it was sold as a, a military necessity to beat the rebellious South. So, like for months ahead of this, that was the the narrative um, of speeches and, and newspaper articles, and that it, it it was a military necessity that it had to happen to you know give it to those rebels to win the war. And and so yeah. it it's it's like anything else. If you put it in somebody's ear enough and you repeat it enough, you, you begin to accept it. So mm-hmm. that's all it was. I mean. It, you know, you know how good race relations are today. I mean, obviously it worked. Oh yeah, oh yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way we want them. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because we didn't. That's because we didn't get rid of the problem. All those fucking evil Southerners. If it was just us pure-hearted <laughs> Northerners, then there wouldn't be such a thing as racism. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that one alone, Aaron. <laughs> all right well okay so how how did this all culminate because so i'm assuming the north just did not whatsoever budge on the taxes and and anything like that and it just culminated yeah because they perfectly succeeded. over the, they the north carolina succeed. yeah it, it, so yeah. the south okay. saying we're tired of you taking all of this money all of our money and sending it yeah. straight to the north to to spend on railroads and and infrastructure there we're like we can make our own money 
for doing it now. So I literally know exactly. Okay, so I'm going to put this in terms for New Yorkers. So the North was like New York City. And the South was like every other square acre of this <laughs> entire fucking state that's awesome. Except for that one dog shit city that sucks up all of the money, makes everything fucking expensive and raises our taxes through the fucking roof. When, and we get zero benefit from it. They just leave the rest of it alone and do and spend everything in New York City. And we're all like, hey, uh, what the fuck? And we all want to secede. That's like exactly like that. Okay. And New York City's like, no, you can't secede. We own all the votes. So you're never, we're never even going to allow that to be a discussion. See, yeah. And I always wondered when you brought up like the, the, they kind of like stopped the Western states from, from enabling like um, slavery over there. And that, that kind of made sense. I always understood, never understood why the West, like the Western states that were just being founded, why they were never really a major contributing like factor in the South or in, in, I'm sorry, in the civil war itself. I, I guess that makes sense nowadays um, that they like sort of embargoed, like what was it slavery in those States you said? Yeah, they, they left it up. Well, originally they left it up to the vote of the people, whoever lived there, they could vote mm. whether they wanted it or not. But um, that was rescinded. So that's what led to all the fighting. Um, but it, it, it's all, I mean, it's, it's the narrative of the United States as a whole. It's, it's a struggle for money and a struggle for power. And those were still on pretty undeveloped at that time too, right? Like the middle highly, undeveloped, yeah, highly undeveloped, which, you know, it, there were people in rushing to California in 1849. So, you know, a lot of it was Indian territory, but it had been traversed. So, yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, it was already post San Francisco, uh, going from zero people to a million people in two years and building a bunch of palaces out of marble. But yeah. that's a whole different, uh, I mean, jute building it jute. out of jute. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Temporary buildings. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it's barely past that point. But it's like, what if what can if the entire population of Kansas picked a side, what would it be like? Three percent of the population of like the East Coast was right. all of the population. Well, all they really needed was to establish like a state like legislature and like all, all these like state positions just to like pump out like a vote in Congress, basically in a vote in the Senate. Right. Like yep. that's, that's the ultimate goal. But even back then, like the West was absolutely um, resistant to forming new States. Like I know Wyoming, like stuck it out for a very long time. They're like, no, 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 we don't, we don't We're want a territory. to a state. We're not like, a state. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know that happened. So there's a lot of resistance on that front. So hmm. I'm just thinking it's like, what could have been if the South got a couple more Western States and got a couple more Senate votes or something. Or what could have been if it was just like, if this, I, w- I honestly, I wish the South had won because they would have a slavery wouldn't have lasted that much longer. Um, and B, then it would be a state, right? Like, because it should operate where the states are like operate like separate countries. And then federal government, all the federal government is, is a federal military. And that's it. And they have no jurisdiction over the states. That's Marshall DeRosa does a, a really good deep dive into the Confederate Constitution. And so like 
Ooh. You know, the slaves had, you know, they were recognized as human beings. They were recognized as people. They had the same protection under the law in, you know, judicial proceedings and such. And, you know, of course, he agrees that, you know, slavery was kind of fading out over time because industry was changing everywhere, including the South. So it would have been phased out over time, but it would have been the Confederate Constitution would have been much closer to what the founders had intended. Oh, big oh. time. We went real crazy okay. high, like just federal government just power grabbed endlessly. Since well, you have to think yeah. Yeah. at the at the start of the Civil War, everybody had an allegiance to their state first and foremost, just like Robert E. Lee. He. He was picked by Abraham Lincoln first to lead the Union Army before Grant. But he was like, no, I'm sticking with Virginia. You know, once Virginia left, he's like, I'm, I'm staying with Virginia. I could never fight against it. And then you have, also have to understand that North and South operated almost like two separate countries because of how different their societies were and, and their industries. Yeah, exactly. One's, one's industrial, one's uh, agricultural. Yeah, so the South coming from... Wait, which is really interesting. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying the South coming from that state allegiance, they wanted every state individually to be able to choose whatever they wanted. And the Constitution only allowed the Confederate government to oversee a couple of things, just like the U.S. Constitution does. Which is so awesome because that would be amazing. Because can you imagine if, like... California was just allowed to bankrupt itself and die. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? If these states had to be actually like balance their own books and like certain states just like withered and went through depressions and then people like mass exodus left until the government had no power because there's no people there and they have to just completely start over from scratch. You know, like, like how much better it would be here. Yeah. Yeah, where you could still freely travel state to state. So the states that are doing good are getting all the people in and everything's booming and great. And the states that don't keep up with that will start withering until they have to change for the better. Like that's a thousand percent the way to go. And that's not what we do because we're the worst. And the federal government, because, you know why? Because Robert E. Lee lost, who is the hero, and Abraham Lincoln won and he was the faggot. That's what happened, and now the federal government owns fucking everything, and they're the goddamn devil. Speaking of Robert E. Lee... Wait, Mike, wait. <coughs> this may come as a shock to you, but did you know that Robert E. Lee owned slaves? Thank you, Josh. Uh, I don't know who the real villain is here. <laughs> Even when he's not here, he's annoying. <laughs> Wait, he was here. He did that sweet intro. Oh yeah, yeah right. uh, I'm just, I'm just so glad he can participate in the way that he normally does. Mike, do you have a, <laughs> do you have a gun to your head question for us? Gun to your head. Who do you love more, Abraham Lincoln, Robert E. Lee? Oh, Robert E. Lee. I've, I've always loved him. He could, Robert E. Lee is like, he's like. Honestly, if, when you read his like memoirs and stuff, he's like a knight from a like his moral code. He's like chivalrous. Like he's like a knight from a storybook. And like, a sweet white awesome. beard too. I mean, you can't beat a white beard. Yeah, he looks badass. <laughs> he's yeah, he's just the man. Like Robert E. Lee was the man. 
and he's kind of chunky, which always speaks well. It's funny because like they're trying, like they very recently tried to like hang someone for quoting Robert E. Lee regarding something, and like they completely did not read or listen to the quote itself, and they were so caught up in the fact that it was a quote from Robert E. Lee. They're like, "Holy crap, this guy is so fucking bad." <laughs> yeah, he's the. Bad I think guy. it was Tucker. Car- yeah, he's the bad guy. He can't be quoting the bad guy, but gun to my head, um, I really think I would have to go with uh, Robert E. Lee on that one. <laughs> the song of my people. We are going to have to have a talk about all this cultural appropriation, though. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a Westerner. <laughs> Sorry. What do you Sorry. What do you mean? Look how white I am. <laughs> I'll toe the line. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why uh, I actually really appreciate the East Coast, uh, even the North. I do appreciate it because there's so much history to it. Like the West Coast, there is no history in the West Coast. Everything is like a 50 year old building Except here. Except for 1850s castles. What are you talking about? Uh, I mean, those, like hardly any of those are still standing because of all the earthquakes and stuff like that in my area. But, you know, it's just there's just more history. Like there's no Civil War history here. There's no nothing history here. It's, it's fucking boring. <laughs> just boring anyway. But I, I will stop appropriating your culture. Okay. For Bob, you're like the cap. You, you live in like the capital of a like gay pride. That's all. Can you imagine being mm-hmm. you must be beaming with pride? Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) I have something for you, Aaron. You need to know what science discovered. You need to know today. Whether it's space or bones uncovered, it's definitely fake and gay. Scientists have discovered that dinosaur mummies may not be rare flukes after all. A rapid burial burial isn't the only way to preserve skin for fossilization, a study suggests. So they found preserved dinosaur skin? Yes. They actually Uh. found, what is it? Okay. So they say it's a 12 meter long duck-billed dinosaur. And this is the hoof that they found on it. Can you see it? What? Yeah. That's not a hoof. So, what are you talking about? Oh, they, they even zoom in on, on the little diagram there. You can see like the toe. Oh, and, my and, God. Like, the, yeah, you see that? And you can see like some, some dinosaur skin, which is reptilian in nature. Yeah, I like that to looks point like out. something my dog found the other day in the park. <laughs> or, or shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks like dog shit to be Like dog fair. shit that got run over so, by a car tire. So the scientists are saying that our 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 former understanding of mummification or fossilization has been wrong this entire time. Uh, unhealed bite marks on fossilized dinosaur skin suggest that the animal's carcass was scavenged before being covered in sediment. The the finding challenges the traditional view that the burial soon after uh, very soon after death is required for dinosaur mummies to naturally form, which. I don't understand their logic. Are you guys understanding this logic? Because it doesn't seem to me that the how rapid it was covered by sediment and like water and stuff like that it isn't clearly defined by the evidence that they have. Um, 
what happens is when there's a dinosaur king, he and he <laughs> dies. They bury him with his wives. They embalm him by pulling his brain through his nose cavity because who knows why they know that. And then they bury him under the pyramids almost immediately after death. And that's how you mummify a dinosaur. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. What they're talking what about, talking it's about? mid being eaten and then gets buried. That's fucking stupid. Yeah. They're saying it, it got scavenged, uh, and the, like so. There's like it. It showed like bite marks and like fresh like scavenged wounds. Right. It, it was in the process of being eaten, and then it got abandoned, and then it got rapidly covered by sediment and like water and stuff like that, and became fossilized by that process. That's what I'm saying. They're yeah. saying that how rapid the covering of and fossilization process took. Like they're saying that could vary all of a sudden. Now that this could like. It didn't have to happen like super quickly, basically, which is complete fucking nonsense because it was just being scavenged. It was scavenged for like an hour and then everything was covered up you, and preserved. Right? You want to know how you, we know that this is all a lie, another lie that they've just started doing. You ever notice when they start a new lie, then all of a sudden everyone finds something that's part of the lie. Like, so we come up with the term dinosaurs. Before we ever find a single bone. Then we find a bone a year to the date of the guy making up the term and publishing his paper on it. We then everyone finds bones. All the European cities in history, we never found bones when they dug out fucking sewer systems and never found dinosaur bones. But we find a million of them the second we invent them. Then we already know how fossilization works. It's set in stone of this is the exact process because we never find skin or anything. But now within the last 15 years, now we're finding skin and blood intact blood vessels. And but we never found that before, but now you can look up hundreds of examples of people finding blood vessels and bullshit and like a new way to add some kind of X, Y, their discovery is a little bit extra from the next guy. And when that happens for the first time, because I remember it was like not that long ago, less than five years ago, I think, where they found the first time they ever found a T-Rex bone with with intact blood vessels that still existed in it, which is a retarded because there's no way there's blood vessels 66 million years later. But now, as soon as that person claims they did that, oh, my God, we're finding dinosaur skin and area. Don't worry. We're also finding my, uh, microscopic fossils. We're finding one millimeter in diameter fossils so that we can uh, come up with our new thing. Like all of a sudden, everybody's in on the new scam. Because if you went 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was if we could find a mosquito with one suck of T-Rex blood in a piece of amber, we could clone dinosaurs and make Jurassic Park. And now now they're just finding it all over the place, but we still can't do any of that stuff that they said we were going to be able to do you know what i mean like all of a sudden everyone's finding dinosaur skin and and live meat fucking stupid well hold on they, they even dive into this fossilization of soft tissues like skin or brains or or fleshy head combs whatever the fuck that is is uncommon but not unheard of if soft tissue uh requires some spectacular confluence of weird events to get fossilized at all it's far more common than you would expect 
uh, if that were the case. Uh, now so, it's more common. Now that they, in yes, 2013, yes. decided that they found it, in this example they showed, 12-12-13, soft tissue fossilization, now, just in the last nine years, it was very rare. It was a miracle we found it in 2013, and now it's not. Uh, now it's not that uncommon, actually. What if it was not that uncommon? Why didn't we find it before 2013? Somebody made up that they found it, and now everyone can find soft tissue fossils. It's fucking stupid, right? Like it, that's clearly yeah. a lie. Then, correct. And even th- what I was saying earlier is that their evidence, their own logical evidence, moving forward with with this assumption is is dumb in the first place. Cause like, what was it? Um, they were saying that since it was being scavenged, it must've been out in the open for a very long time, but it's like, it doesn't like, they're not there. They, they can't predict what happened fucking millions of years ago, or even thousands of years ago, or even if it happened last week, what the fuck would have actually taken place. Like they could, it could have been scavenged. And then like a fucking mudslide just came and just wiped out that thing, like the carcass and all the scavengers, could have just been wiped out then and there. Like, there's an easy explanation for this. Yeah, but you know what to be, like, a really good example of what I was describing there? Where they're all of a sudden finding yeah. all these soft tissue fossils, quote-unquote. If I tomorrow, 10-14-2022, Aaron Madison trips over an alien skull, and he f- proves that aliens really did live on Earth and ruled Earth, and then every year after this, we just find fucking alien graveyards all over the world after never finding them for forever. The second one person finds one example of it, everyone's tripping over alien skulls. And then we just accept that as fact. That's dinosaurs in a nutshell. Every time that they invent a new thing that we found, everyone finds it then all over the fucking place. It's clearly a lie. Well, now we know what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah, right? that's what they people would before, say. People in the before times, they were like, this is just a dumb piece of rock, Aaron. Come yeah, on. yeah, now that's my are, favorite. We have qualified scientists that are like, this isn't just a rock. This is a fucking dinosaur cock, and I'm going to research totally it. That's totally my like, favorite is- fucking, yeah, yeah. How many dinosaur <laughs> dicks are rocks, actually, that were actually soft tissue fossils? <laughs> my they're favorite, though, is they're like, you think. no, back then, they didn't know what it was. It's like, so you think that in 1800 or 1799, a guy tripped over a T-Rex skull and just didn't know what it was. So he decided to fucking not tell anybody. He found the skull of a dinosaur. They didn't know what that was, but then they still told stories about dragons at uh, the yeah, same yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't think to maybe tell anyone they found a dragon skull. Right. It's so fucking dumb. Well, the world of archaeology isn't it great. It's the best. I can <laughs> Michael, what do you what do you think? Uh what do you think about dinosaurs? Do you think they're real? Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit on the hundredth episode. Like it's possible they're pre flood lizards that grew really big. Yeah. But they're so stupid. I think they made up most of them. They're though. so stupid. <laughs> I mean, like you get half of a toe bone and you get a brand new dinosaur. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Like, I think it's possible. Yeah, like you said, it's possible. But one of the things that I'd have to assume is that they're not just completely fucking lying about the evidence that they're digging up, <laughs> which I am not even close to ready to make that assumption. Because, like I said, the second somebody claims they found soft tissue fossil, everyone's found a fossilized fucking brain or blood vessel or meat or dinosaur dick. It's fucking <laughs> stupid. Or a fleshy head comb. <laughs> you know how much funding that university's even get now? Oh, yeah. They're going to be fucking rolling in the dough. Are you kidding me? Somebody took a rooster fucking head comb and then just claimed it was a... Plopped it on a dinosaur? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah dinosaurs <laughs> had those. They're Also, they're still lizards because the toys won't sell if we turn them into big chickens. <laughs> no, but that that was the thing. The the picture of the fossil from this article, it actually showed scales, like a scaly. You see that, right? Like, there's no indication of it being like a feathered type of animal. Oh, so oh. even even in the, the scientific illustrations, these are up to date scientific illustrations that are not dinosaurs that have no feathers. That that is one. I'm I would not in a million years believe that they fucking found this thing. And also we already know that they can't carbon date it. So they have no idea what the fuck they found. If, if that's a real thing, they stumbled across and who found it. Let me guess an archeologist, like always it's never, oh, yeah. it's never construction workers who are digging out the dirt constantly all the time. It's the one guy who found the special square of dirt with his stupid strings around it on sticks and his dumb cat brown khakis and his fucking stupid safari hat brushing off a fucking skeleton. It's always the same movie-esque thing. And it's like, like, look what we found here. Oh my God. It's a dinosaur dick. <laughs> Never once does a fucking construction worker dig one up. God, I hate dinosaurs. Yeah. I hate them just as much as space. So stupid. <laughs> I think space has a lot more potential, I, I think, at the end of the day. Because um, we're only limited with archaeology by the, the ridiculous finds that, that we get from archaeologists every week. Whereas, like, space, like, every fucking random person just makes up random, like, space facts. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Going into space, that old fucking... <sighs> If you go out without a spacesuit, you'll inflate to the double your size and then your eyes will poke out or something. Yeah, yeah. So. Or, or like you watch a plane go. Have you ever like watched a plane that's breaking the speed of sound? Yes. Going just Mach 1. And it's so fucking fast that if you don't like hear it coming first and like see it coming, like if you don't see that it's coming, you don't, you can barely get your fucking eyes on it. It's going so fast. And then they're like, yeah, yeah, this rock out here, it's going Mach 100. We calculated exactly the right trajectory to shoot this satellite and ding it. Like, that's like shooting a bullet with another bullet. Like, and they're <laughs> claiming that they fucking nailed it. Mach 100 is so fast that you can't perceive it with your eyeball. Like, and they claim that they're fucking, oh, yeah, yeah, we're tracking it. <laughs> You're what? No, you aren't. What equipment are you tracking that with? It just makes me fucking love signs. I, I don't yeah. know about you. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. Uh, Mike, 
uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh, enlightening us about our own American history. It was very, very enriching. Thank you. Yeah, dude, I actually love that topic. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, guys, that's the show. Bring back slaves. You've got mail. What the fuck? Whatever. Fuck this shit. I have a PlayStation raincoat.